Street Smart Podcast back at Upright Digital Studios, The Lounge. Today we're talking with Amy Malkin. And Amy's uh, got a unique story, a unique person. I thought that my jacket game was on point. She has <laughs> definitely uh, one-upped me here. So I, it's a fabulous jacket. Thank you. And I, I don't know what else to say about that. But uh, Amy, thank you so much for being a part, man. I, I can't wait to, to get into your story and learn more about you. I'm excited to be here. Thank you so much. So you and I got connected, and we were just talking about that off-air uh, a moment ago, exactly how. And I think it was the most, like, third and a half party-ish yeah. way to get connected it was i think that if i had to go back and find it i think it was you liked or commented on something that someone i knew had commented on something i'd done on linkedin maybe what did you do that i liked I don't, now i'm kind of curious you know i do so many good things on LinkedIn. very stingy it's really, with my likes so now i'm just kidding i'm not <laughs> well you it was not you didn't like anything i did <laughs> You like something someone said about something I did. Potent <laughs> potentially, that might be it, and I don't know what it was. But, but then I looked at your your profile. I was like, well, that's interesting. And then you start kind of getting into it, and you're like, man. At some point, uh, Amy decided she could absolutely be a, be an artist, mm -hmm. and and seems like has a real calling. But I, we'll get to that. And I yeah. want to learn all about how you got to that that point that you were going to say, this is what I do now. Uh, but first. Let's just learn about you. So where were you born? Where were you raised? Yeah. All of that stuff. Yeah. Born and raised here in Houston. I'm like only one of the few natives that are still here. I'm first generation um, Indian American. So my family is from India and migrated here about 40 years ago. Um, and I grew up in a very like traditional Indian household. Uh, what you can imagine when you, I guess when you see on like, so like on like TV and stuff, like a really traditional Indian household. Grades were really important. Um, grew up in A-Leaf. So did you I, make good grades? I did. I made really good grades. I was like top, I graduated like top 3% of my class in high school, but um, school was really easy and they didn't really challenge me. So was I really that smart? I don't know. It's like debatable. Like, well, you could say, I mean, it was school easy because you were smart. Uh, no, I think school was just easy because it was just no. school. <laughs> because when I went to Baylor, I got a full ride, a full academic ride there, scholarship, and I flunked out freshman year. I just did not have good study habits. I did not have good time management. I was introduced to boys and alcohol, so like that was a whole thing. At Baylor? At Baylor. Oh, those Christ that At Christian school Baylor? was wild. Baylor is a those Baptist parties? university, man. I know. The Christian schools are the wildest ones. I went to Texas Tech. And the alcohol's there too. Yeah. yeah, but it's not as wild because I I met a few Texas Tech people. I don't think they understood how wild the parties were. You give me the right ones. You give me the right we ones. We beat you on football a few times. Yep. How'd it go this year? <laughs> huh? How'd it go this year? I don't follow. Like I don't go there. I don't, I don't really know, follow I don't college. I don't, I don't even follow don't football. My motto is: if there's no return on investment, I really don't care. I won't say. I won't curse. Are we allowed to curse on this? Sure. Because I, I curse. I don't give a fuck if it doesn't make me money. Well, and so there you have it. We're, we're there. Uh, it, it, well, you can bet on football and make money. Yeah, I don't want to bet. I'd rather bet and, and get a return on investment like clothing, a Chanel purse, rather than there's a possibility I'll lose. What kind of jacket so, is that? Oh, this is a cheapo jacket. It's not cheap at all. It's Look. You're talking to someone that still shops at Ross. Yeah, and, I'm a Ross those, shopper too. I love that. And my wife, I love Ross. My, I can't convince my wife that just because it was uh, five dollars and she bought twenty of them, it's still somehow not a hundred dollars that was spent. But whatever. It totally makes sense to me. But at the same time, the value of the jacket isn't in the cost of the jacket. 
It's True. in how people respond to the jacket. Yes. And, and how an they wear it, how jacket. one wears the... Correct. Yeah. That's an outstanding jacket. Yeah. So, good grades. You go to Baylor. Yeah. Life, life uh, beats you about the head and shoulders at Baylor. Uh, how long were you at Baylor? <laughs> Less than a year. I tried to um, keep <laughs> up the gig by... Um, I started working in high school because I realized the importance of financial freedom. My parents, my dad is very old school and very just patriarchal in his thinking and no fault to him. It's just the way he was raised mm -hmm. and <clears throat> his control over me was money. There was things that I could not do and I'd have to ask him and I just did not like that feeling. Mm -hmm. So my parents were against me working. They wanted me to concentrate on school. And I was like, I need freedom. It's just like in my spirit. Like I don't like to be contained by anybody. And so artist. Yes, an artist. Yeah. <laughs> and so um and so yeah, I started working and so in college I was also working. And so I when I flunked out, I got, you know, I was working and I, I started paying for community college there. And then it just got really overwhelming and I wasn't doing good at the community college because working and then social life because right. I still didn't understand time management at that time. And I think I was just like overcompensating, thinking that I was like book smart because of high school when I really wasn't like book smart. Like I really did have to sit down and study. And because I had didn't build good study habits, like all of that compounded, like the gig was up. I had to come clean <laughs> to my parents and say, yeah, like I flunked out a semester ago. And, um, <clears throat> like I have no money and I need help now. And they were pissed and they were going to send me to a convent school and get me straight oh, wow. out all the way to India. And I'm like, that's not going to help. That's not really realistic. That can't be like, I think any Asian audience that watches this will totally identify because any Asian American, like first generation person, their parents will threaten them on I'll anything. Send you back to the old country. I'm going to send you back to the convent school. <laughs> Like that's it. And it's like you didn't clean your room. I'm sending you to the convent school. So oh, wow. yeah, it's it's really bad. So I came back and went that to seems U of like H. a legit terrifying threat. It is very terrifying. Guilt like Asian American parents, I mean Asian parents invented guilt trip. Like they know how to they <laughs> The travel you. agents of guilt trips. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um yeah, I went to U of H and I graduated in 2009 and you walk the stage and you don't know if you really passed all and then I got passed all the classes and then I got a notice saying I didn't pass one class and technically I didn't graduate and I'm like fuck this shit I'm so over school like I'm ready to get out in the real world and do my thing right. so I have an extensive career in sales all sales you name it I've done it I've done like face-to-face -face fundraising I've done door-to-door -door. I've done you know you know cold calling, all of it, inside, outside sales, you name it, I've done it. And it's like, I'm one of those weird salespeople that actually love doing sales. You enjoyed it, huh? I enjoy it. What was the job that you, you took when you were trying to get some freedom when you were a child? When, when you oh, were Express. I was working in retail. Okay. So I had to fold clothes and straighten up and terrible. clean. I, I, wouldn't, I, I do not want to do retail ever, but I definitely recommend everyone to do retail. It humbles you mm. and you learn people skills. And then I was also a waitress um, in between my sales career and transitioning into becoming an entrepreneur. I was in uh, waitressing and I was strategic in where I chose to waitress. I waitressed at Carabas off of Kirby 
with Johnny Caraba before he turned into like mm-hmm. that Caraba block. It was the very original one. Um, and I knew that there was people there who were influential and decision makers and people who had money. And so I knew that if I networked with these people, they could help me build my business. And yeah, so at some point, right? at some point yeah. they would buy artwork from me because I knew people would ask like, Oh, what are you, what are you doing? Like, are you in school? And then that was my opportunity to s- tell them what I was doing. Right. Um, and I took advantage of that and I did. I, that there are a lot of clients there that customers there that helped me grow my business because they supported me in my dream, which I'm so thankful for. That's awesome. So you, so my first job was sacking groceries and yes. I still do that. I still love doing that. I'll yeah. race the people at Kroger if they show up and let you want to race. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> my wife gets tired of that so much. But are you but, good at sacking though? Do you know, like to put the cold with the cold? <laughs> What kind of a question is that? I'm just letting you know because I look. I used to also work as a manager at HEB, and that was like my Let, pet hey, peeve with the baggers. When I started my job, uh-huh. it was at Albertsons. Okay, I remember Albertsons. I was born yeah. and raised in Midland. Okay, so we had Albertsons, and the first two days was legitimately sitting in training, talking about what goes with what in these bags. Like, don't smash my bread. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, that's right, and so. Yeah, I know what I'm doing. <laughs> okay. Don't worry about it. I think it. we need to have a race off. I need Don't to. I need to like that. see because I think I could beat you. <laughs> I'm well, just saying. Agree to disagree. Maybe it's a follow up episode. Maybe. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so so you go to Baylor. You flunk out. You're working in in uh, in Waco. What are you doing in Waco? Are you waiting tables? What are you doing? No, I was working. I only had retail experience. So then I was working at Dillard's and doing retail at Dillard's. So you're folding clothes now at Dillard's and not yep. Express. Yep, 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 yep. I was just, you know, moving up the, like, <laughs> I guess the retail yeah. chain. That's all I knew, you know? Usually so. you start at Forever 21, but you jumped right to Express. No, I was a little bit more high-end than Forever I 21. I'm that's, bougie. That's fair. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously. So then... You come back from the, you, you call your parents, fall on your sword. Hey, yeah, I need help. You come back. What then? So then I went to U of H. U of H. Yes. Uh huh. And um, did not graduate. What is your gr- degree not in? No, I do have a degree now. Oh, okay. I do. I actually went back uh, when I started my entrepreneurship journey. People kept asking me because I was young. I don't get asked that question now because I don't look 21 anymore. But when I was in my 20s, people would be like, oh, well, What's your degree in? And I don't like I don't like to lie, so I'm like, oh, I don't have a degree. And then I I talked to a recruiter and she gave me a clever way. She's like, say you're in pursuit, and I was like, I like that. You can I'm do in that in pursuit of getting my yeah. You can get it yeah. I mean, you can get get it, do it in your 30s, whenever, whatever. You know, life happens. So I'm but, 47 and I don't have a degree. And so when people ask me that, I'm just flat out like, I didn't get it. I'm yeah, good. yeah. I'm I good, yes, though. I agree. I think at that time it's like no fucks given it's like i didn't get it i'm successful like why does that matter i mean it it, it it's still somehow in a weird way when someone asks me that and i can't say i have one i feel sort of gross but Do i don't you? know why it's a weird thing it's a personal thing Yeah, i think it's a personal yeah. thing because i know some people who are very proud of it who are like i don't have a degree and I, i'm totally okay with it i'm proud of what, I, what yeah. i've accomplished and everything and i don't ever think about it except when i'm asked yeah most people just assume it's weird that they even ask still I haven't been asked that in a long time. I've been asking a long time. I, I, the last time I was truly asked that question, this is funny. I was applying for a job. I, I was kind of in between gigs, and uh, the, the recruiter called me. It was that first level recruiter, you know, that calls mm-hmm. and is just asking a bunch of, you know, cursory questions. You're probably reading off of a sheet of paper. 
And she's like, yeah, I'm looking at your resume, and you actually look very overqualified for the position you've applied for. And I was like, yeah, I'm fine with that. I just kind of want to get back in and start doing what I was doing. And she's like, okay, uh, what is your degree in? And I said, well, I don't have one. And she said, well, uh, you're not qualified for the position. And I said, well, that's real funny because you just said I was overqualified. You're right. Well, it, it requires a degree. And I said, why? And yeah. she said, well, I don't know why. It just does. And I said, well, good luck with that. And, yeah. uh, but I just thought it was funny. You're, you're overqualified and you're not qualified. Yeah. I, I think there's some people who are just so caught up in the way it's supposed to be mm-hmm. that they miss out on so many other opportunities. Cause, and that just goes, that just goes in all areas of our life. Like where in our life are we so caught up in the way it's supposed to look like and be that we miss out on opportunities because it doesn't fit our narrative. Do you, or did, did that, do you think that that kind of a thought ever delayed your decision to go full-time I'm an artist no what delayed was the um first not seeing an example of a successful artist knowing Mm. that that's like a possibility um to just you know my parents were very traditional thinking people they're immigrants they came with no it's like this typical story they came with no money here they worked their asses off to provide a, a a decent good life for me and my sister and they just want financial security mm-hmm. for me and um, for their daughters. And so, you know, telling them, hey, I want to even go to school, um, to college, to pursue an art degree, that wasn't even an option. Um, because in their head, it's not about, oh, we, what makes you happy and, you know, mental health and all that, you know. It's like, we need you, to, we need to make sure that you're financially secure. You need to be an earner. Yeah. Yeah. And, and where is there any examples that you know of that you, even to this day, that you're like, oh, I know an artist who is successful, um, who does this full time and is a thriving business. Like, you don't meet too many of those, you know. I know because I'm in the industry. Sure. Yeah, it's it is interesting, and, and I was telling my wife when I was talking to her about doing this interview, and I reminded her that several years back we had gone to see uh, Dave Matthews concert, mm-hmm. and you know his, his the violinist for Dave Matthews is next level, yeah, he's yeah. insane, and I, I was laughing, and I told her I said, you know, at some point in his life, his dad was like, hey man, the violin down, and yeah. give me a side hustle, but you need a job, and he was like, I'm gonna stick this out, dad, yeah. and now look at him, the guy's. Yeah world famous and so and i don't know his name and that's funny but i think that when you have like a purpose and calling no matter how much you fight it eventually it's going to catch up with you like even if it's in your 60s or Mm. 70s like if that is the purpose that whatever you believe in god universe whatever if that's your purpose it's you it's going to find it so you can't outrun that you cannot outrun it it may have been delayed but then what is like, I think that's also like a made up concept because whatever's meant to be for you is meant to be for you at that time and space. So like, I don't even, I don't even think about delayed because people ask me that question. And before I used to say like, yeah, had my parents supported me and blah, blah, blah. But I'm like, would I have really been ready to have accepted my calling in that time and space? Mm. And I don't think so. I wasn't prepared. I wasn't mature enough. I wasn't responsible enough. So I think that everything is supposed to happen the way it's supposed to happen. Like, cause even my dad, he'll be like, Oh, like if something bad happened, Oh, I wish that didn't happen to you, blah, blah. And I'm like, look, you have to have rain for flowers to grow. I don't believe in utopia. There's like, I don't believe in that. Like you cannot just have rainbows and sunshine. It's like how then you won't appreciate the rainbows and sunshine. So I welcome adversity and challenges and hiccups because that makes me stronger and more resilient and, I learn from those things so I can become a better person, better whatever in whatever area of my life from overcoming that. 
So I celebrate that. And in one of her lessons you learn out of that too, you then can apply to future yeah. issues or future yeah. endeavors or, or whatever. And so your first job is in sales, I'm going to guess. Yes. Your, which first job, like you would say, this is a, a career My, type job, not a Yeah, not a job. I was working at, and so in college at U of H, I was working as, um, I was actually working at IBC Bank. Um, I was an account manager and I was I was stationed inside. That's a fancy way to say a sales guy. Yeah, I was in yeah. sales. And yeah. I, I was um, <laughs> stationed inside HEB. And I hated the approach of catching the customer right when they're exiting to get them to come back in to open up an account. And I'm like, there has to be a better way because in my head, psychologically, if I'm already out the door, you're not gonna make me turn back around because I'm ready to get out. Correct. So I'm like, let they didn't have sackers or baggers in the express lanes. The people that worked at HEB can only do it where it wasn't an express lane. So I'm like, that's where I can come in because I don't work for HEB, I'm an IBC employee, and I'll help sack and I'll catch those people in the express lane to open up an account. So I was I was bringing in the accounts, but then the unit director, Jay Griffith, shout out to him, gave me my first managerial job. Aww. He was watching my hustle, and he recognized it. He was with HEB. He was with HEB. He was I the unit you. director, which is the, 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 the highest level of the store. And he took me to lunch, and he said, you know, he's talking about my goals and blah, blah, blah. And he was like, I want to offer you a managerial job at HEB. And he was talking to me how I could climb up the corporate ladder mm -hmm. and all of that. So I said, yeah, let's do it. I will always say yes to an opportunity. Um, even if I don't understand it or I don't know, I will say yes. Like, just go for it. And worst comes to worst, if it's not a fit, you just say it's not a fit and you keep it moving. Sure. Um, and I got a lot of slack because apparently to be a, an, an assistant service manager, you had to have started from the bottom as a bagger to move up to a cashier and then get interviewed to be an ASM. And I just went straight as an ASM. So all these. Technically, you started as a bagger. Yeah, really technically. So I got a, I had to prove my worth. I got hazed by a lot of the managers there, um, the other ASMs, and as well with the cashier and baggers. And I think like after six, seven months, and they saw like that I was working hard and it wasn't just like, you know, I, back in the day, I was in my 20s, like, little, yeah, my 20s. And I was like probably 30 pounds skinnier than this. And I worked. You know, I knew I was in sales. So I wore like the high heels and the tight pencil skirts and I knew what I was doing. I was working it. And I think they were just like, oh, she's pretty. And that's why she got this job. Right. And when they saw me working hard, they were like, oh, right. she's legit working. Like she's not just standing there looking pretty. And I earned the respect of my peers. Um, and yeah, and that was my first managerial job in college, like towards the end of college. It's interesting too. It taught you a great lesson in terms of uh, just getting positions never enough, right? Yeah, you've got to no. then gotta show it. the people that are there that have been there that no, I deserve this, and yeah. uh, and we're we're in a, we're a team. We're in this together. I had to earn their respect, sure, because I was managing probably around thirty to fifty people at the same time. Like not, I'm, I'm managing their schedules, when to take their breaks, when to you know um, ship changes with the baggers and the cashiers. At the same time, I'm directing traffic and greeting everyone that's walking by. Like, right. and me personally, no matter what level job, even if I was a janitor, I take it extremely seriously. Like as if I am like the CEO of that job, and I think that mindset has helped me get to where I am today. 
and I just didn't take it as a fluff job. Like mm -hmm. I took it very seriously. Um, and I think that's, I think when they saw that, they're like, okay, we respect her. She's doing her job. We may not like the way she got it or whatever, but at the end of the day, she's still doing what she's supposed to be doing and she's taking care of us. And like, that was another thing. There was times where I wanted to like, like my immediate manager, I, we just clashed. I didn't like her and she didn't like me for whatever reason. And there were moments where I wanted to cry. And I remember going to Jay's office and he said, suck it up. Like, do not cry in front of these people because then they're going to see you as weak. Go take it out in the restroom and come back. And like, I, I agree and I don't agree, but I agree because like the moment you show that kind of weakness right. as a, as a manager level, you've, you've lost your like power. And I'm so glad he told me that. <clears throat> and he was just like, Hey, if you want them to take care of you, you got to scratch their back, you know? And so I made sure that I scratched all of the baggers and cashiers back so that they took care of me. So in somebody was running late or I needed them to stay a little bit longer on the on the cashier stand they would do that for me because they knew I was going to take care of them sure I, I'm glad he taught me certain lessons that has that has helped me now when I have to lead people because there's a certain art to that I think just saying that you're at a, a leadership level does not mean people will follow it's it's uh, the hardest thing to do yes uh, is if you can find a business that you don't need people in and that's the business to be in because that's the the real challenge is trying to because everyone's different and yeah. you got to figure out what mo motivates each individual person so how long were you at HEB? i think like two years two years and then you went where oh shit. um <laughs> i don't know i think i got like a corporate job after that because i'd graduated college and i think i got a corporate job i don't know what my first like corp like corporate job was but I, I know I was in sales I was doing some sort of sales I just remember probably 10 years from that from that moment it was like 2016 and so when I was looking at my resume and they're like you've jumped around and your longest it's like every two years you jump around and I never saw that pattern and I realized it was because I was I wasn't getting challenged I was mm -hmm. like bored after two years I'm like what's left I, I don't know so it's I, I work different corporate jobs, small like small companies. Nothing I don't know, that's and I just so jumped awesome. every two years. Like, I don't know. It's just it. And so what's interesting? My is, brain can only hold so much space, and it's like irrelevant well, at this point. I mean, point. very creative. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. I'd, I'd take up the brain space with creativity for yeah. sure. It, but it's funny to me to think that because I could tell you every single job I've had since I was sixteen, <laughs> and not that anyone really cares about that is is a weird flex for sure yeah yeah yeah. but uh it it's interesting in all of the conversations i've had what i'm hearing you say is i don't know i just did the same thing at different places every two years <laughs> yeah i just i wasn't getting challenged right. there was no fun like i remember i worked for a small av company and i love the owner wayne springer love him he's like a dad to me um but like after a while, I was like not getting challenged and I was moving at a faster pace and it was there. It was like the small business conundrum, right? If you like grow too fast, but you can't keep up with the demands and mm -hmm. you're overselling and under promising and that's not a good thing. And at that point, then I was kind of I was doing that without intentionally doing that. And, I, and it just wasn't moving fast enough for me. I, I'm like I'm a doer. 
You give me an action item, it's going to get done ASAP. And there were, there's no excuses. Like, I'm not going to be like, oh, but I have this and I got this. Like, literally, I sent out like 10 emails by the time I got here because everyone's asking for something. And I, I just like do it immediately. Otherwise, it either A, it's going to get lost in the abyss of memory and I won't mm. remember it. Um, or I'm just busy doing something I physically cannot get to. Like when I leave here, I have to go paint a mural. I'm not going to be on my phone. I'm going to be on site painting. I don't, ha I won't have, no one's going to be able to access me, um, and access me. And I, and I also don't want to be accessible because I'm in that mode of painting and I want to give at all to and that also client. your phone is gonna be capturing some pretty sick time lapse video. no i got a i have got a time lapse camera okay, i invented well, one brino also another shot so my gopro actually does time lapse really well too yeah a brino is a construction camera and it it only like it's battery operated and i like that because it lasts for a really long time and it's very easy to like capture and get it into my computer and it's all weather resistant i'm sure gopro is too but it's like a construction it's camera. not weather resistant it's waterproof and it's waterproof. Yeah. Mine is waterproof. Well, the go, GoPro's waterproof. Yes. Anyway, no, but <laughs> your time lapses are very cool uh, to watch those those things come together. Anyone that is interested, we'll give all your social media yeah. and stuff at the end, and, but it's very cool to watch. So you have this blur of how many years doing sales stuff? 2008, eight years. 2008 to like 2000, actually 2013, 14, somewhere around there. Yeah. And you decide this sucks. Yeah. I was like, this sucks. This cannot be life. Um, I cannot be just working to pay bills like this. The, I like I, this cannot be it. And I had just gone through like a breakup and I was like feeling suffocated in Houston. And I know Houston's big, but it just felt really small. And I was like, I need a, I need a change of scenery. I need to get out of here. And so I landed on an, Australia and I moved to Australia for a whole year. What? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I, I just need to go. I can't do this. Where'd you live in Australia? I lived all over. If you say Sydney, I mean, like you traded a major city for a major what I city. Did. This is what I did. So I'm moving to Australia. My parents, I was 27. They were very proud, I'm sure. No, my parents, my dad's like, what the fuck? You yeah. are old. <laughs> yeah. Hey, what? You're, yeah, literally, this is Indian parents. How old were you? 27. He was you like, were you old. were old. You are at your prime and you need to get married now. Otherwise, it will be hard for you to find a man. Now, my dad is right because now I'm like 38 and I'm like, oh, where is he? Um, and they all suck out. No, I'm not, they don't all suck out. There, wow, right. It's an interesting scene out there. I don't know that. I've been uh, married now. That's be 18 years. Yes. Congratulations. That's a years. huge feat. And I yeah. tell people I know like this. I know a few couples and they want to get divorced. I'm like, but what is it? Infidelity? No. No. Whatever it is, deal with it because it's you don't want to be single out here. It is a priceless thing that my wife and I know each other's moves. Yeah. At this point. Yeah. And it's frustrating at times too, yeah. obviously, like everything in life. But it's way more pleasurable to know that you have a person. Yeah. I, yeah. She and we have history. Like you she knows. Yeah, you like, know each other. You go, hey, you remember back in whatever date <clears throat> this? And she's yeah. like, yeah, it was. I was like, that's stupid. You know, whatever. Yeah. But but yeah, so. So you, you move so moved to Australia as an old bitty as at an 27 old, yeah, years old, at 27 years old. And um, I packed up my whole life. So at that time, right before I left, I, I had to make money because my parents were like, we're not paying for this um, and we're not going to pay for your bills because then I had student loans and stuff. Um, right. Because I lost my scholarship and then I had to pay for U of H. And so I was working three jobs. I was a manager at Bed Bath and Beyond. 
I was doing outside retail, retail outside sales because it's really easy, right? They don't require a degree or nothing. They're just like, sure, we need, we just need hands Can on deck. Can you fold clothes? Right. Bring I didn't it. have to fold clothes. This time I was lifting heavy like um, pots and pans like I was in housewares. But I was a manager, so I didn't have to do that shit. I had to delegate. I had uh, to delegate. I had to delegate because I had other <laughs> important managerial yeah. things to do. Listen, I would definitely lift that. <laughs> I've got spreadsheets But I to have to. Yeah, exactly. I got spreadsheets. Um, and I have to meet and greet customers. I am the face of housewares. And so that, Carabas, I was a hostess at night, nighttime. And so I did that. I was working three jobs. I was hustling to get paid. I had no life. I sacrificed like almost a whole year of like, I need to stack up some money. Um, so by the time I tallied up the math and stacked everything up, I only had 2000 that I could take with me there to Australia. You hustled three jobs for a full year. To save up money in the bank account to pay some bills. And you had two grand. I had two grand left over that I could take with me. Because I had to pay student loans. That's a monthly thing that's coming on. Yeah. I had other monthly bills that I had to I had to like stack up for. Because my Man. parents were like, we're not giving you one cent. And I was like. Uh, okay, but I'm still going no matter what. I'm going to make it happen. I got a work and travel visa so that I could work in Australia because obviously two grand can only stretch you for however long. Um, landed there, did not know where I was staying. And so when I got to the taxi guys to take me to the nicest hostel that you got, he was like, uh, okay. We got into the city of Sydney and brought me to a hostel. And I was like, this looks nice. Looks like a nice like holiday inn hotel. And I stayed there, paid up for the week. Conversion from the 2000 to Australian dollars, like $1,800 then, paid for uh, a week of staying, and that was like $600, $800 right there. Uh, food and all that. I was like, pfft. I was like, I a, spent half of your money already in, in the a first week. week. Um, but they have an agency for backpackers like us, like me. And I'd already given my resume and said, hey, you know, here's my travel visa, work and travel visa. I'm looking for a job. And they're like, we're looking for you, but nothing had came up. I saw an advertisement for surf camp. It was like $600. You learn how to surf. You get food and um, it was like a, you get uh, lo lodging and food. So $600. Still have money left lodging, over. Let's food, do it. Lodging, food, money. And learn how to surf. So I did that the so second week. I would look week. at that and think, maybe uh, sharks. Huh? I don't like the ocean the, much. There was no. There's well, sharks. I didn't go all the way into the end because then no I was sharks. freaking out. I was freaking out. There are plenty of sharks. And everything in Australia is trying to kill you. You know that. Yeah, and they have big, but I don't think their spiders are as big as Texas. Texas got them beat on some of the spiders and some. Some maybe, yeah. but not all. There's. Yeah, there's yeah, but I learned how to surf, um, and then I got a job, and I was working in a Christmas factory doing commercial decorations, and so I had to um, fluff out these big christmas trees that would go in these big malls oh you just described my my wife's greatest no, it nightmare was, yeah it's a nightmare in it's not funny. history she no. we debate every year putting a christmas tree up because she does not want to do that oh i didn't do it this year he, <laughs> my son went to his dad's for christmas and i'm like Whoa, no christmas we tree. tried to we tried to pay our daughters yeah like 21 year old and 17 year old we tried to pay them to do it and they half-assed it Still got paid. <laughs> All right. And then my wife you did You teach it. them the hard lesson? Because in real life, they wouldn't have got paid. We're not Indian. Okay. <laughs> uh, and so they just get everything handed. <laughs> oh, oh, no. Yeah. No, see, my son's learning that, too. Nothing gets handed. I don't care. You're five. I, I don't hey, know. Man. Yeah, you're going to have to work for it, honey. You're, you're three years 
older than the working age. What's yeah. the problem? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so you show up in Australia, spend half your money in a week, have no idea what you're doing. Now you're fluffing Christmas trees. Fluffing Christmas after trees. After you learn how to And surf. I learned how to say, fuck Christmas trees in German, because I was working with other German girls. Hit me with that. And it was like, fichtisch. Fichtisch, uh, and I don't know how to say Christmas tree anymore, but fichtisch I learned is fuck. I'm going to say fick yeah. is probably. Fichtisch. It's yeah. like. I don't know. Anyways, I had to wear these like large leather gloves because you would cut these. Like these welding are, gloves. Yeah, because yeah. I, you know, um, and then speaking of welding, I knew how to solder. My high school art teacher invested a lot of time with me. Shout out to Joni Maniotis. I love her. <laughs> Still keep in touch with her. Um, There's so and many people to tag. I'm going to run out. Of, is there a limit good. on people you can tag? I will tag, tag them. I will uh, tag them for right. you. Perfect. Um, and... I learned, I knew how to solder. So I met a welder there. He was welding. He was putting together all the Christmas stuff. And I was like, you know, I know, I know how to weld. And he was like, for real? And I was like, yeah. It's like, fuck, I'm going to have to learn how to weld real quick. It's like, all right, let's, I'll bring you on the team. I said, like, yes, fuck the Christmas trees. Get me in welding. <laughs> and um, he found out real, he was like, well, we, I didn't get to go into welding. He's like, before we can go there, I need you to string these Swarovski crystals that are going to get attached to Santa's throne. I can also do that. I have jewelry experience. Sure, yeah. So I got Retail. to do that for a little bit. You can only work for a job for like six months there, and then you have to transition into something else. That's just part of the travel work visa. Hmm. So um, I ended up leaving there. I worked. Um, then I did the face-to-face fundraising, which I'm glad I got to do. So and this these, is all in Australia. <clears throat> it's all in Australia. So currently I'm based in Sydney. I found an apartment. Um, this girl was leasing a room in her two-bedroom apartment at Hyde Park, overlooking like all of Sydney, Australia. So, like on my balcony, I could see the Opera House and the Harbor Bridge every morning. So, you, so every morning you walked out to a poster. To a poster, yeah, legit poster. Awesome. It was so nice. So she had her own room. She was from Argentina. And then she rented out the other room. The master bedroom had two bunk beds. So I stayed there with, it was myself, a Belgium girl, and two um, English girls. Um, and it was like one big, like, sorority house in there. We had such a good time. And I, yeah, so I was working. You still keep in touch with all of them? Um, On Facebook here and there. Yeah. Um, You know, sorority house, right? There's some good moments, and then there's some, like, not so great moments. Yeah. Um, <laughs> right. And you're dealing with girls. Oh, and then. So her living room was so huge. She also cut it in half. And we had two Italian, like authentic Italian guys living in there. And they would cook us fresh Italian pasta. I like in heaven, in heaven. And he can only speak Italian and Spanish and Italian are very similar. So he would tell me about his girl problems and I would kind of dissect what he was saying in Italian and I would speak back to him in Spanish and he would, we would have a full on conversation. So you know Spanish? I know a little bit. Un poquito. See. And so, (laughs) to assume that I knew what you said is—I mean, I know a little bit. I'm from West Texas, so yeah, (laughs) I got it. I understood it. But so, yes. So then I worked in face-to-face fundraising, and these nonprofits. A lot of people don't realize that they hire salespeople for you to donate to their organization because a lot of people don't know these organizations a exist or wouldn't even wake up thinking like, let me donate. So basically, like, imagine you're walking out in the streets of like New York. And you have those people that are coming up to you like, hey, that was me in Sydney, Australia, getting people to give me their credit card information on the spot to become a member to donate to Amnesty International for like $35 a month. And I was so good at it 
that they then paid for me to travel to do it in other cities, which I was grateful for because then I got to see a lot of Australia on the company's dime because like a flight to Perth, which is on the other end of Australia, was almost $800 round trip, which I did not have Hmm. to do that. So I got to go to Perth, to Melbourne, to Adelaide, uh, a whole bunch of cities, Byron Bay up, up, up the Sunshine Coast and... I got to hang out and party. Job was like nine to five and then hit your goals. And and then you got to like hang out and party like it was the best. And I got to travel. So had a good time doing that. Left that job. And then I ended up working at a custom tailor made suit company in retail. And that was nice because I got to work inside in air conditioned and I got to help fancy people. So like buy bespoke suits, suits and Be- all that bespoke stuff. Bespoke suits, yeah. And um, they gave me benefits. Hmm. So that was first I time had, for that. Yeah, that was like, oh. You'd have benefits nice. at HEB? Yeah, I had benefits at I HEB. Would, they, had yeah. good, they had really good benefits there. It's a good company. Um, it's a great company. I definitely recommend. Uh, and yeah, and so then the last m- month that I had left there before my visa was up, uh, I didn't have to work because I had two weeks saved up for vacation pay. And then the other two weeks I had money saved up that I could keep. So the last month there I didn't work and I just traveled and had fun. So the yeah. last month there was just a, a traveling party. Travel party. In Australia. Yeah. And then, and then you come back to the States. Yeah. So I was making less money in Australia, but I was living life. I was buying designer. I like fashion. I was buying designer stuff. And I was not worried about money in my bank account because every time I looked it was there. Now, I did have one little hiccup. And I did, I have to, I forgot about this. And my mom caught one of my podcasts and she was like, (coughs) you did ask for help. And I did wire you some money. So my parents did. Does your dad know she did that? No, she's told me specifically not to ask, tell my dad. (laughs) (laughs) But my dad found out on that podcast when this was like two, three years ago. Um, And they also found out that I did not graduate that that time they showed up to my graduation at U of H in 2009 that I graduated, technically graduated in 2014. Who says you can't learn anything on podcasts? <laughs> right. They're learning all, they're learning who their daughter is. Yeah. Yeah. You know, now One I keep it real because I don't have to lie. Right. You know, right. it's like, right. I don't have anything to hide and I'm successful. So you can't really like, you know, so but back what? then, you know, if I'm, re- if I'm taking money from them, then I do owe them an right. explanation. So anyways, my mom did help me out one time. I have to give her credit for that. Um, but yes, shout her out. Huh? You're not going to shout her out. Shout out to my mom, Jay Malkin. (laughs) Uh, and, uh, let's see. Yes. So then, yeah, I came back and I was like, I got to bring this energy, this vibe to America because there, I don't know if you know the phrase in Australia, it's no worries, mate. No worries. Everything's like, no worries. Like just chill. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Like we would go on lunch break and they would drink a pint and I'm like, uh, we're drinking on the job and they're that's like oh, you Americans. Yeah, like, that's generally everywhere in the world except America. Except America, yeah. And I was like, Oh shit, all right. Also, yeah. everywhere in the world except America, when they go on holiday and they go on, on holiday. Holiday, they right. Leave and they're not worried about what's happening at work. What's weird is uh there's this this strange culture and I feel it personally that there's like if I left for two weeks and didn't didn't answer an email or a call, they would just I don't need that guy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Whether that's true or not, and that, uh, but that's how what I feel like. No, in Australia, you you're on vacation. You're on vacation. They go on vacation for like months. I've never seen my mom take a true vacation. She is like she's 
she was she the you know retired um but she was high up at capital one bank and oh they worked her they worked her i never saw my mom like truly be able to just relax and enjoy her time off and even when she took like a personal day or sick day she was still like on the clock and you know, watching my parents like that, I'm like, I don't want to live like that. Mm-hmm. That's not if I want to live life on my terms and I don't want it to be dictated by a higher up where they're making a shit ton more money than me. And I'm working my ass off like a dog just to make pennies. And I still can't even enjoy my time off that they have given me. That's part of the package. I'm like, no, nah, can't do this. I worked for a company one time that uh, my family and I we were going to Cabo, San mm-hmm. Lucas for like. Love Cabo. We for like eight days. Yeah. And uh, I remember my manager telling me. At the time, I'm not going to tell you what the company is because it's kind of a shitty story about him. But at the time, he was like, "Man, I'm you guys, them out. You, you won't know." He <laughs> uh, was like, yeah, "You guys have a great time and everything." And listen, uh, we bought a an international package for your iPad so that we could get in touch with oh, you. Oh hell no! And I was just like, "Okay, thanks." <laughs> <laughs> okay, thanks. I'm sorry, I accidentally left it at really the house. appreciate that. Uh, but it and whatever. It's so. Again, I didn't think anything about it because I just just kind of how I was always raised. Yeah. So it wasn't, wasn't anything that I thought anything about. But I do know uh, that other countries take holidays. Yeah, they, they take holidays and, they and take, siestas. And they do it for real. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they understand the value of mental health and sure. that you need that. But yeah, I wanted to bring that energy from Australia and I didn't want to go back to to what it what was the reason as to why I even went to right. Australia. So I'm like, I got to live life differently and what does that look like for me? Um, and so maybe like a few weeks or a month, I don't really know, but a short amount of time since I'd gotten back and I'm looking for a job. And you came back to Houston. Came back to Houston. Right. <clears throat> uh, I'm looking for work. And my friend told me that she had an extra ticket to Brendan Bouchard. He is like this famous marketing guru, has clients like Oprah, Ariana Huffington, Tony Robbins, they're his client. He's been on the New York bestseller list like multiple times and never done a book, book tour. Hmm. And so he is truly a marketing guru. If you don't know who he is, definitely look him up. I've learned a lot from him. So he he does this um, academy that's there for a week long. And I think it's in Palo Alto, California. My friend told me she was like, look, I have an extra ticket. All you have to pay for is your flight there. I have the hotel room covered. It's like, well, I can do that. Mm -hmm. So I flew there and I went to the academy, the experts academy. And it was the best decision that I ever made because there was like probably 700 people there from all over the world, 90 countries represented there. So like imagine college when you're in, in the library and you're studying and it's like this buzz of like intellect. It's like the energy. It's like, you know, it's it forces you to study even if you don't want to. So like there'd be times where you didn't want to study, but you're like, let me go to the library and it will or like, you know, I'll take your word for it. Didn't go. To the yeah. Library, well, but- like or <laughs> I don't want to work out, but let me like a home workout. It's not going to be it's as fair. motivating, but let me go to the gym that's fair. and then I'm going to be motivated by other people. It's right? the vibe. That's it's there, the vibe. Right? Yeah. And I'm vibing with 700 entrepreneurs in all levels of their career, whether they're And you're just, not an entrepreneur this time. I'm not an, uh, I'm an entrepreneur in mindset, but not an entrepreneur like in legit. Practice, in, yeah, right, practice. Yeah, practice. And I'm like, okay. It, it was just, it was so much full of energy. And that's where I birthed my business. And I was like, I, what's, what am I passionate about? I'm passionate about art and I'm passionate about personal development. And let me marry those two together. And 
start my business. And this was when? What year? This was in 2014. It was like maybe, I take that back. Now I'm like thinking about my timeline. I think it was like a less than a year since I'd been back from Australia. Okay. So 2014, 15 timeframe. Somewhere around there. Yep. You found the Malkin Group? Or? I founded the Malkin Group. Um, and I chose that name particularly because I... Because it's your name. Well, A, it's my <laughs> name, but I knew that I, I knew that art wouldn't be my only stream of revenue. Sure. And I wanted to be able to have a generic LLC, um, like for legal reasons, so that I could put other entities underneath it. Adding the word group to an LLC is always a strong move. Yeah. Because you can do that. You can diversify whatever you're doing. You can... You can pivot if you have to. Right. And I, I don't, I don't, I don't know where I got that information, but it was somewhere put in there subconsciously, just being around other entrepreneurs and listening to podcasts and reading and somewhere was put in there. Like, did you ever consider murals by Malkin? That'd be a fantastic name. Murals by Malkin. I like that. <laughs> I may do that. I just thought of that. No, I like that. Can I, I have it? Or do I need you, to pay you for I mean, the... The Depends idea. on how successful it becomes. All right. Well, set your terms now because uh, <laughs> like <laughs> it's recorded that I came up with that. Uh, so so you found the Malkin group. Yeah. And you tell your parents, this is what I'm doing. Or no. You just I say remember. I I may or may have not told them. I, I honestly do not remember. Um, yeah, because I just remember them not really being so supportive when I want to go to school for art. I kind of then I think eventually I learned is like, let me keep some things to myself because I don't want certain energies like infiltrating my mindset and bringing me down. So let me keep some things to myself and then just show them. So how do you go? Because that's an interesting jump. You go from, you know, sales roles and things and and all of those things definitely prepare you for For, what you're doing now without a doubt. The, The comfortable nature you have to talk to people about trying to bring their vision to a mural and those types of things and then do that within a, a certain budget, which I would imagine sometimes gets, uh, yeah, those are probably pretty interesting but, conversations. Mm-hmm. How do you go from, you go to this conference, you, I, I guess it's a conference, you go to this, yeah. this thing, this conference, it's easy to get really energized at those yeah. things. And then you come back from them you keep and you're going. like, here we go. And then a month, two months in, you're like, what am I doing? Did that ever happen or did you yeah. come back and you were like, man, this is it and we're going it. Tell me kind of when you say I founded this, what did what did that look like? Yeah. How did how did that look to you when you said, OK, I'm doing this now? What were your first steps? I mean, how did you even yeah. get started doing that? I think like innately in my personality it's like when I commit to something like just internally to myself, I stay true to that. Like being authentic and having integrity is very important to me. And it's not about to other people. It's to myself. So if like I make a promise to myself, I'm going to keep to it. So like in college, I just I like to taste a little bit of everything. I want to do pageants just to have a taste of it to say I, I experienced to be a pageant girl and I was not a very thin girl and I had to be on a, in a bikini on stage. And I was like, I'm going to have to lose some weight to at least place. Um, and I wasn't worried about winning, but I wanted to at least place top five. And I worked my ass off to eat healthy and and I have a huge sweet tooth. Like I could eat a whole cheesecake by myself, no regrets. Well, not if I'm there. You yeah. eat half of it. <laughs> well, have you <laughs> seen that Friends episode with like Chandler and Jennifer and they're ch- So I didn't watch yeah. Friends. Okay. Oh shit. 
everything referenced. I, I didn't watch referenced Friends before. or Seinfeld, so if you try either one of those. <sighs> Seinfeld, not, I, I like it. But anyways, I was committed, and people doubted it, my commitment. But I wasn't trying to prove it to anybody else. I was right. proving it to myself, and I did. I looked great up on stage, did not place, but I did win Miss Congeniality. So I won something, and I was happy with it. I'm not surprised by that, frankly. But I... I in my personality that if I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. And I was felt conviction about my business. I felt very strongly about it. I didn't know the how. And I think that's where a lot of people get caught up, right? It's like the how. And then you get caught up in the minutia of the how. And then you that's where the doubt and the fear and all of that creeps in. And it's like, don't worry about the how. It's like I tell this analogy to a lot of people. When you're driving in fog at nighttime, your headlights can only show you a certain distance. It doesn't show you from the where you are till your ending point. Like you just have to trust that your headlights are going to show you the road at every step of the way. And you just do it. You just take it one step at the at a time. And that's kind of how I took my journey in entrepreneurship or losing weight. It's like how many what deposits are you going to make in your bank account like in your health bank account in your entrepreneurial bank account what step are you going to make today it's like even investing no one's telling you like you can't just like all, all of a sudden make all this money you got to make little deposits every day to get to that return on investment and i wasn't worried about how i was going to get to be a successful entrepreneur and what that looked like it's like what step am i going to make today today i need to file for an llc today I need to open up a business bank account like those are the things and I just took little steps and and then things revealed itself along the way hmm. so that's uh that's a great analogy actually with the fog <clears throat> uh, and you're right you 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 can't see very far the and, end goal and the the danger there is moving too fast through that scenario yeah. mm -hmm. and how did you guard against that? Or I mean, you may not the listening to you describe your journey, you may have not even realized you were going too fast if you were, because you were not thinking about that. You were thinking about here's the end point and I'm going to get there eventually. It just yeah. it may look unconventional. I I wasn't worried if I was gonna get there. It was just a matter of when I was gonna get there. And my and, and my thinking in that way helped me to kind of shut out the noise. You know, a lot of people worry about the if, like, what if I don't make it? And what if this happens? And what if? And I'm like, but what if the other side of it? There's two sides of the coin. Mm -hmm. You're putting the energy you're taking on the negative side is the same energy it's going to take on the positive side. And you're, whatever you focus on will expand. Like, that's where the personal development part of comes in, right? It's like, whatever you focus on will expand. You are your own self like prophecy or profit so like whatever you're worrying about in your mind it's gonna come true so like why don't you focus on the things that you want to happen and it's like and then it's like all this other bad it's like you are worthy of success you do deserve these things you you know um and it's like it's all these other stuff that come into play of being successful and i don't think like a lot of people talk about the mindset that's a huge part your mindset plays a huge role I think in first a starting the journey and then being successful, like your mind has to be right. Where'd you get that mindset? Do you think? Because if you listen to the story, you know, it's very traditional Indian family. You talk about your dad telling you you were old when you were 27 mm -hmm. and 100%. I have to believe that when you were ra you were being raised in that environment, you didn't, you weren't 
not always a free spirit, I wouldn't imagine. So you, It was always a free spirit, just did not let it, it was not unleashed. But when, yeah. it, when it was unleashed, when, it, when little glimpses of it, I would imagine it was very much received, not poorly, but like... No, it was received poorly. That's cool, but we're going to send you to the convent. No, nope, that was received right? poorly, not cool. And, but how, how did you overcome that? You know, because that would be very, it yeah. could be very limiting. How did you, how did you, when you became, you know, in your 20s, late 20s, early 30s, and you're like, no, I'm doing this, and it doesn't matter. I know that no one agrees with this, but I, I where did that come from? I mean, I, so I, in college, when I started coming into my own and started having different views and perspectives than my parents, because I was a goody two-shoe. Like, I mean, you asked my high school um uh, classmates, they'd probably say I had a stick up my ass. You know, it was like very much a rule follower and I didn't like go do anything bad or outside of the lines. My best friend at the time, she was part of the cool club. So I got to go to some of the cool parties, but they'd be like, why, what is she doing here? Oh, that's her friend. That's why, you know, um, like I didn't drink or anything. My first drink was at 21 in college. Um, and my parents, I'm shocked at Baylor. Um, keg stand too everything <laughs> the first one that was good at it too right 14, out of the gate 14 seconds 14 that's, yeah that's pretty good it's not bad um and even with my parents i did as they said i didn't fight back with them and then so when i went to college and i started getting my own viewpoints and i started kind of growing into my own and it was combating my parents i was living a double life essentially i was one way with my parents and family because I didn't feel comfortable to show who I really am and then I really am who I you know was to the rest of the world it got exhausting um I was dealing with depression I remember asking telling my mom it's like something's not right I don't feel good and I need to talk to a therapist because I'm having just really not nice thoughts about myself Mm. um and so I knew something was wrong that therapist did not help me no offense she was a white female and did not understand the Indian nuances and cultures to certain advice that she was giving me was not applicable. Um, so I had, I was on another journey of finding the right therapist, but I, I don't know. It just one day clicked. It was like, you can't live like this. Like you can't be this way at home in this way. And it's like, you need to figure out who you are because I also saw, saw stats that suicide rates are high amongst first-generation Asian Americans. And I'm not talking about India. I'm talking about all of Asia. So China, like Pakistan, India, all, all the Asian countries, the first generation here has high the highest suicide rates in adolescence because they have to live a double life because they're straddling the Asian traditional way of living and then the American way of living. And it's two different ways of living. Oh, it could not be more different. You know, just certain like just yeah, there's just so many differences there and it gets overwhelming for a first generation to overcome that, Hmm. Um, especially if parents are so traditional and are not able to be flexible and realize, well, we are in America now and you you chose to come here and bring us here and raise us here and you're going to have to deal with the nuances that we are growing up in. Like these are the culture. This is the culture we're growing up in and you chose that. You may not have understood that this was it, but this is it. And this is where we are now. So my mom was good at that. Dad, not so much. He struggled with that. But um, I just knew that I needed to be who I am and accept it. Now, what that looked like then and what that looks like now is very different. Did I know 
Was I really being who I was and was I really not caring about what other people thought to an extent, but not to where I am right now. But that's also, and I'm sure I may say the same thing when I'm in my 60s and be like, you really don't give a fuck about what other people think. You think you knew now, you know, in your 40s, but you don't in your 60s. So I think that was it. I made the decision. I was like, I don't care. This is who I am and I want to live life by my own terms and I will not any like let anyone dictate that and take away my peace and happiness even think, if it's my parents I think that's a great place to get to and a lot of people struggle to get there just because yeah. they feel like if they do that they're gonna reveal themselves to be a disappointment and nobody wants that uh, and so I think that's fantastic that you're able to get there uh, you several times now you've mentioned your mental approach to if I'm doing it I'm doing it it's just getting done. Mm -hmm. Has that ever hurt you where you said, man, I'm doing this and it was the wrong thing to be doing, but you stayed with it so long. You stayed with it long enough that you were like, shit, that was a detriment. I shouldn't have done that. At the moment, I cannot remember anything, but I'm sure. Yes. Um, I'm very headstrong. I've learned over time that I move. Sometimes I move too fast and I'm bulldozing and I, I need to like first assess the situation. And there there's a time and place when you need to go at lightning speed and there's times where you need to sit back and kind of assess everything and I've learned that through just becoming more mature and self-aware of this is how I approach things um so I'm sure in the beginning I probably did do things like that I just don't have the mental space to remember it <laughs> right I'm an extremely positive person too so I'd imagine those experiences probably get yeah, purged relatively quickly yeah I'm sure if I went to like did like therapy and they did the whole like hypnosis things some shit would come out well, I'm but. also not an Indian therapist yeah. so <laughs> I can't do good. it today I'm sorry <laughs> when you founded the Malcolm group again you said you were very strategic in the name of it which was awesome and I understand completely so you could pivot what were the you, you what were the core like this is how this is going to pay me this is how Malkin group is going to this is how I'm going to get money doing this what were the yeah. things that you identified <clears throat> that you're going to do obviously art was one of them yeah I was thinking about just painting on canvas selling paintings and then um, doing team building because I had so much corporate experience and then at one point like I, I believe this job was after I got back yeah it was after I got back from Australia um I was working for a leadership company doing sales for them, selling leadership programs to corporations. And we primarily targeted the collision industry. Hmm. Um, and so. Why was that? I, he, I think like it's, it was a small business and um, I think he got one or two really good clients like Caliber Collision and a few hmm. big, big companies. And then when he, it just kind of expanded. So then just other a proven vertical and he just stayed in it. Yeah. And then so other companies like, well, we want this leadership training and it just grew from there. So we took other companies, but we predominantly were focusing on the uh, collision industry. And there would be times where I sometimes would help facilitate the leadership training. And it was just very impactful for me. Uh, and so I knew I was good at that. I knew I was good at sales. I knew I knew how to speak the lingo in the corporate world. And so I'm like, this is this is what I'm good at. So why not merge all of that together? And I like art and do like all the team building stuff that I ever either AI attended or facilitated was not very tangible. There's like not a lot of kinetic, kinesthetic like activities. It's very much philosophical. They're telling you you're Everyone writing down notes. With ideas and that's yeah. About it, it's like, right? how do I apply this? So I'm like, why don't I use art? And it's they it's hands on activities and it's real time that they can then take with them. And it's an anchor. 
And so that's that's where I started and that's where I was going down. I had a, a business coach was helping me put my business plan together. And he introduced me to his friend who specialized in murals. This was in like 2016, 2015, 2016. I was like, yeah, let's do it. So I met up with this man and he had like over 20 years of experience in murals and was showing me the game. He basically showed me everything. And then I also didn't have like an ego. So I was like, whatever you want me to do, even if I wasn't getting paid, like clean toilets, wash the paintbrushes, I'll do it because I wanted to learn. And I think that's where like a lot of people I notice today because I get I get a lot of people asking me, well, can I come and learn from you? And my answer is always yes, because um, I want to pay it forward to what he did with me and <clears throat> the ego and the lack of um, uh, initiative. It's like astounding, but they want like they want the handout. And I'm like, you got to work for it. I worked for it. I'll still work for it. If I find I have another project coming up and I'm working with a muralist that's more experienced than I am. And I they were the project, the people that are putting on the project essentially was just supposed to be me. But this wall is grand and they feel more comfortable with someone who has a little bit more experience. I'm okay. They were kind of worried that I would say no. And I'm like, no, let's do it because he can teach me some tricks. Like sure. I don't have an ego around proving myself that I'm bigger than what I really am. Like, yes, I don't have experience in doing like a 50, 100 foot wall. Like there are going to be some things that I don't know and I don't want to fuck it up. And I don't want to learn on the job and cost my profit margin and their profit margin and their money. So, yes, bring on that higher name. It's going to be good all around because my name's going to be attached to that person's name. And I get to learn some things free without hey, can I pick your brain for over lunch? You know, like, right. it's a win-win situation. Yeah, I, I guess I didn't consider, like, it, it, so I have a simple brain, and I think, okay, well, if you're painting a, a wall that size, will you just scale up whatever you'd put on a canvas and put it on the wall? What's the problem? No, it's just two different things. Just get a projector things. and project it on the wall and paint Yeah, I that. get a lot of people who are painters or artists on canvas, and then they want to help me on murals, and they it's a total ball game. Like, the details that you're focusing on the canvas, those don't translate. So you're wasting your time on a big wall because the viewer is not going to even see that. And you're worried about some minute detail. No one's going to see it. So, hmm. um, but yeah, I, I worked for this guy. Uh, I learned everything. I asked to do everything. I asked to go to all the meetings. Like I was attached to him because I want to learn every facet of the business like i know business intuitively i am a businesswoman i am an entrepreneurial mindset but i needed to learn the lingo within the art business and i yeah. need how do you to, interact with customers how do you yes. negotiate the what price? does that how look do you... like yes the conversation the script um and so yeah i was with him all that time and then i branched out on my own um in 2019 so in that I was in an abusive relationship. It was psychologically abusive. And um, it was with the mentor. And uh, and that, that was the reason why I was so open with his business was that was the carrot dangling, like, I got you. And he knew that's what I wanted. So anyways, we have a child together. And my son is now five. But a year in, well, while I was pregnant, I started to see his true colors and I was like, this is not healthy and I need to figure out a way to get out. Uh, but I was scared and kind of teetering. Like there would be good moments. I'm like, oh, he's good. And then, oh my God, he's the devil. 
And then so when my child was close to a year old, I was like, I cannot do this anymore. And my son cannot be raised like this because then he will turn out like that. And I refuse for my son to be that. So I jumped and I was like, I got to go. And I was homeless sleeping in my car because by then my parents had disowned me because I was with someone that was not of the same culture. And this is my dad, not my mom. So of the same culture. And I got, I had a baby out of wedlock. So I was not married. And parents did not agree with that decision. They're like, you're disowned. Um, so yeah, I had some friends who said that they knew what was happening. They're like, if you ever need a place, we got you in baby Zen. And it was around Christmas time. So people had their own shit going on. They didn't come through sleeping in my car. And God put this girl's name, Stephanie, shout out to Stephanie. She's under my phone as Stephanie angel. Cause she's my angel on earth. But said, call Stephanie. And I'm like, but I haven't talked to Stephanie in a whole year. Call Stephanie. I call her. I'm kind of telling her what happens. I didn't even finish my story. Didn't even get to do the ask. And she was like, get your ass over here. Bring babies in. I got you. She was also a single mom with four children and living in a two-bedroom apartment. So definitely no room for me or babies in. But she let me stay there for over a week. Finally, my parents did let me in. So in that process, there are seven forms of abuse. A lot of people just immediately go to physical or sexual but they're psychological, emotional, financial, mental. I know there's seven. Um, and so there was also financial abuse because all my money was attached to this man. And I didn't have any money of my own. Because in my head, I'm thinking traditionally like my parents. My parents share everything. All the names on everything. There is no, there's no like this is my money and this is your money. And I make the, it's like everything goes together. Um, yeah. And... That just is how I was raised when I was, you know, with my parents. And so I'm thinking I'm naive. I'm like, and my parents have always warned me. They're like, you're so trusting and so good and so naive that there are bad people. And I'm like, oh, you're jaded. Like, you're, you're just like, you're just a pessimist. I had never encountered anyone like so evil and so insidious. And so I'm trusting of this man thinking we're building a life together. So I had no money. I'm trying to figure out what to do. I, I I went through all of this to start my business, learned all of this, and now I'm I'm down. And I I had never imagined my life to be in that space where I'm a single mom with no money and no support or help. Um, oh, and I want to start a business. And I wanted, yeah, I was like right at the, I was like, I'm just lift. It's like the airplane is just lifting off and it's like, psych and get back on the ground and you just made you know you just made a lift off and i'm like fuck and i had to make a decision do i go back to corporate america because i need to be mature and realistic and provide for my son and i or do i pursue this dream that i work so hard to get to uh and what do you do and so i was straddling both i was so one thing about me when i was kept transitioning every two years I would go on an interview and I would get the job on the spot. Like I never had to wait for a callback. And my dad always worked for small businesses as well. But so he would, he, when he got laid off, because it's a small business, things happen, you get laid off. He got, he's gotten laid off many times. You'd have to go on another interview, but he'd have to do certain callbacks and certain jobs he wouldn't get. And he would always ask me, he's like, how do you do it? My dad, it's going to sound cocky. 
but I go in there as if I've or I imagine that I've already got the job like it's already mine and I already act and I speak as if it's my job and I and that's how I interact with I don't feel like I'm getting interviewed I already have the job and I'm just telling them I've got the job subconsciously we're working out some details yeah so we're just working out it. some details yeah. yeah he was like I don't think he like fully understood what I was like saying but this time around I could I couldn't land anything like nothing. I would go on two, three interviews. And this was all foreign to me. I'm like, this is weird. I Don't go on a second interview. I don't like they didn't call me back. They don't want me like this is you know, weird to here? me. Yes. And I took that as a sign. It's like because this is not what you're supposed to be doing. You need to pursue your art. That is your calling. You, that's what you need to do. And I was getting like little gigs here and there because I was active on social media. So just enough to like pay certain bills car note cell phone things like that but not enough to be like oh i can afford a full-on rent and electricity and all that stuff and um <clears throat> at the time when i was like homeless and i was calling like the houston area women's shelter and all these shelters because i was not physically or sexually abused they were like we don't have space for you we're limited on space and housing and i was like man i need help like i i'm I don't have any support or any yeah, financial not, support. Not taking anything from those forms of abuse, but the help you needed was just as real as the yeah, help Yeah, just needed. as, yeah. yeah. And, um, and it's something that the system is also working on. That's a whole other subject. And so I was still fighting for help because then living at home wasn't healthy either because you're just dealing with my dad, whole other situation. I'm like, this is, I didn't go from that household to this household, even though my dad's not yelling at me or doing anything, but him also ignoring me and my child is just as hurtful. Right. Um, and so I was introduced to another um, organization called Daya, and they help for domestic abuse victims, primarily in the South Asian sector. And I told him my story and they're like, you don't have anything to prove. You are definitely getting, you were abused. You are getting abused. We got you. We have financial support. We're going to get you You're an apartment to get out of there. And so they paid for my apartment for eight months. Wow. And they said that all that money that we're paying, you need to save that money because after eight months, we're not supporting you there, like financially. And I was still pursuing. So I moved into my parents in January, 2019. March 2019 was when it clicked and said, you know what? You can have one foot in corporate and one foot in entrepreneurship. You need to make a decision. And that's not for everybody. This is just for me. Because there are some people who are entrepreneurs who work nine to five and they love it. I know successful entrepreneurs. Um, I wouldn't consider them entrepreneurs, but like have their own businesses. I think that word is gets too like stretched out. Like I'm an entrepreneur, but you have a nine to five. It's a different mindset to me personally. Um, so I, I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to be, I'm going to do my art. So I was bringing enough just to pay my simple bills, not enough for rent. Moved out in August of 2019 into my own apartment. And I was bringing enough money then to be like, okay, let me stack up this money. Cause I got to pay for rent. And that's when also mentally everything just whoosh, because I wasn't in fight or flight mode mm. anymore. Had a little bit of breathing room. I had a breathing room. I had my own space. I felt safe in this space now. I didn't feel safe in my parents' home. Um, and everything came crashing down. And I was like, it like all of it just hit. It's like, oh shit, what did I go through? This is a lot of shit. And I'm a single mom and I gotta provide. And I dealt with some shit, some bullshit with this man. And I did not want any noise. 
And so I went dark for three months. And a lot of people, so like I, social media is an, an illusion. I didn't get on social media. I was well, silent. People only post their highlights, right? Yeah. Pretty I mean, much. I understand it. And I'm talking about business wise. Mm. Like it is an aid. It helps me grow mm. my business. But do I absolutely need it? No. Me personally, no. And I went silent. I went dark, called my friends and I said, hey, look, I need to go dark. I need to be within myself. I need to self-reflect and I need to heal. And I can't do that with noise. Um, and I didn't own a TV. So I literally was in silent mode. And I did answer phone calls here there for business, of course, because I had to bring in money. But was I on social media posting? Nope. Wasn't on social media at all. Didn't talk to anybody except when I had to have my son every other week. And I did that for three months. And it was the best thing I ever did because I then felt somewhat on a better, like I was somewhat healed and I just was in a better space mentally. And I was like, okay, now I am energized and I'm ready to go like full on, like a hundred miles an hour. I'm ready to go on my business. It's the best thing I ever did. Um, and then I never looked back. And so in 2020, I got three six figure deals back to back to back. Uh, I think I grossed over like during, a, during COVID you were during picking COVID. up. Mural so paintings? yeah. So get this also 2019 just rebuilt I'm, myself. Cause I'm listening to your timeline. I'm yeah. like, okay, so it's August. You get your place and then three months dark and that puts right in. And then COVID, COVID. hit and I'm like, fuck, I just lifted right. off again. Right. WTF, and I'm like, man. what am I supposed to do? And I, my mindset is always service. Like just give back. So I started posting, um, I started hosting like free, like painting with a twist, kind of those kind of, have you been to painting with a twist? Yeah. like the, Or penis palette or something and, you drink and in your paint. painting, whatever the instructor. Yeah. I did that for free on Facebook. Remind me to show you one I did after I this. I it's, can't believe you have it still. I have a picture of it. Oh, okay. Well, I don't. I have a picture of the picture. Uh, but do you have the actual painting? Nobody ever keeps the actual painting. I, do, I did. I think. But is it in the closet may, or is it, it hung may, up somewhere? It may not have made the move with us. Okay. Uh, yeah. But it, yeah, I did have it for a long time. Uh, I started offering free virtual paint classes, especially to the parents who are like, what am I supposed to do with my kids? Like I'm working and I don't have time to homeschool. That's a brilliant them. idea. And I just did it. And I said, whatever you want to tip me is fine. I didn't make a lot of money from it, but then I started getting a lot of commissions from it. I bet. Oh, you're an artist. Can you commission? I need you. Cause then a lot of people started focusing like the home industry, home improvement industry grew because you're at home and then you're starting to look at everything. Like, I can paint this and I can do this. Yeah, 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 yeah. So then that's when I started getting a lot of commissions, painting commissions, and that kept me afloat during COVID. And then I would get one off, you know, uh, mural commissions here and there because there were there were no people in the building. So I could go in there by myself and go paint. And that's how I survived COVID was like, don't I didn't there was like there's no point in me worrying. Like that's not going there's no return on investment in me worrying. That's not going to that does that's not what I want. So I'm like, I, what do you want? I want to be successful. I need to thrive. And it's a necessity right now because I got to provide for my son and I. It's not like I was getting money from anybody. And I'm, I'm specifically anybody. No money coming in from no one. <laughs> and so I'm like, it's only me. And um, <clears throat> I was like, yeah, let's do it. Let me give back. Let me start just doing it that way. And then it's just started, started coming. It started coming in. And. I think it taught me to be more creative uh, and and running my business. And it definitely opened up my eyes on how to utilize the internet and um, just like my website in a different way than I originally thought for my business. Cause I'm just thinking in person, me painting, 
but what are other ways that I can keep my business alive and and increase different revenue streams because I'm going to be 70, 80, and do I want to be on a scissor lift at that age painting a mural? No, I'd rather be on the sands of Tahiti drinking a mojito, have a fine-ass man massaging my back, and someone else painting my mural. So, and you would probably critique the shit out of oh, them hell yeah. I am a I have learned because I am a huge critiquer because I critique myself and it's not coming from a place to make anyone feel bad, but it's like, let's go. We can do better. Yeah. You know, but not I've had to learn delivery is very important. So I, I've worked. I keep working <laughs> overtime with my delivery, delivery might be the most important. It's the most important. As an artist, how do you uh, how do you see the, the AI stuff affecting your uh, sort of. I don't see it maybe murals as much, but I mean there are printers out there that are paint printing murals. No kidding. Yeah, like murals. Mm-hmm. Um, I because it's really interesting. You let's let's say, and not that you have it, but let's say you blow up like Van Gogh style. Yeah. I literally type type it in. You know, generate a picture in uh, the style of uh, Amy Malkin. Yeah. And it'll generate one that you would paint, and it's. Amazing. And then it'll print and paint it out for you. Yeah. yeah. In in minutes. In minutes. Yeah. I think um, I think it just differentiates like the person, like the person, the end person who wants it, right? Do they want the original that's hand painted, um, or do they want the AI? And yes, will I lose a few customers? But like this is where the abundance mindset comes into play. It's like there's so much to go around. Like I'm not going to focus on the people who want to be cheap and get the AI generated ones. Sure, go for it. You're not my ideal client it feels like anyway. Feels a direct attack when you say it like that. <laughs> but I'm like, you're not my ideal client. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's true. So I, I don't care, and I I use it. Like I have used the AI to generate my some of my designs. Like I want to use it to aid me. I don't see it as competition. The same thing. So you know my corporate job is you know a safety uh, vice president of safety for an oil company mm -hmm. so writing policies procedures those types of things so the other night uh, i was coming home from jujitsu and i was i was sitting in the whataburger uh drive through because that's how you reward yourself yeah uh after a workout is a shake <laughs> right. and uh i was like let me just see how good this this chat gpt thing is so i just type in standard operating procedure for a oil field drilling rig mm -hmm. and hit go this thing generated a pretty legit procedure Impressive. in almost no time at all. And it was I told my wife, I was like, it's not perfect, but it's good enough. I could take it and tweak it yeah. here or there, add some things, take some things out. And what would take me hours to yes. write or potentially days, I, I'm done in an hour. Yeah. So huge productivity it's, save yeah, yeah. Uh, it, but I was just curious from an artist's perspective and the one made me even think about it I was listening to Joe Rogan the other day and he brought it up mm -hmm. and I was like oh shit, I haven't even thought about that uh, and so I was just kind of curious your, your thoughts on that I mean, it comes down to mindset right mm -hmm. there are gonna be some artists who are be like ah it's taking away my work and da 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 and it's like it just comes down to mindset and then what where you are in the level of your I also kind of look at it like it could end up being its own genre of art yeah, you know, in yeah. some ways. But this is the problem with the art, and even for some writers, is that it's taking your intellectual That's property true. and use, and then and using that, like twisting a little bit, and then using it. So it's like, but I was like, in this day and age, like, what is original? Like, what is original? Because it's all derived subconsciously or consciously from something else that you've received messaging from. Like, we're constantly getting downloaded so much information from so many different entities. 
Like, that's why I say with the whole Malkin group, was it me originally thinking that? No. It's somewhere. It came from somewhere. And I don't know where it came from, the original information, but it came from something. That's true. What is original? A couple things you said that are, are, I think, should resonate with people. One is just that servant mindset. If you just give back. Mm-hmm. And there's never been a time in my life that I've given back that I've regretted giving back. Yeah. And so if nothing comes of it, so. But something always does. Yeah. Uh, so I think that was a great approach. And then that abundance mindset, I think, is is also important. It's just re- realizing, look, the, the, it's not finite. There's plenty of stuff so uh, out, out in the world. I have uh, a group that I bring together just for female creatives. Doesn't matter if it, you do it like you're creative as a, as a hobby or you're in pursuit of starting a business or you're a successful entrepreneur. It doesn't really matter. It just, as long as you identify as a female and a creative, you're invited to be in this group. And I share a lot of information. I share a lot of like RFPs, requests for proposals or requests for qualification projects to them. I share lots of just, just like insider information that most people be like, oh my God, I can't believe you shared that. Cause like now you're introducing competition. I'm like, there's so much to go around. And I said, whatever is meant to be is meant to be. And we can all rise together. Like we don't have to like, you know, uh, be secretive and hinder, you know, another person. And right now I'm in this like growth mode. I'm, I'm, I'm been, I'm booked all the way up until April. And in my industry, it's like you go through ebbs and flows. Uh, and I know when my downtime is usually Q4 during the holidays is my downtime typically. And then not a bad time to have downtime. No, I, I don't I don't mind it. Um, uh, but usually around Q1, two and three are usually my growing modes, depending. And I'm right now in huge growth mode. And I've just noticed like the decrease of engagement with my friends, like in terms of like on social media, liking, commenting, phone call, text. And it's like crazy because it's like this is my season. Celebrate with me because I celebrate your oh, season. You're saying, you're saying their lack of engagement on yeah, your stuff. Yeah, because I'm in my season right now. And I've just what noticed do you think that, that. drives that? I think it's just jealousy or envy or them wanting to be in that season too. But I'm like, there are moments that I can point out where it was your season. I was nowhere and I was not, I didn't have anything going on. But I celebrated your season. Hmm. Because your season doesn't take away my season. Those projects that you have, I'm not a fit for those projects anyway. It's like, why can't I not celebrate about other you? Artists. Mm-hmm. Other uh, artists. Yeah, other artists. Yeah. yeah. Primarily other artists. Yes. Um, because like, if it's you and me, we're in different industries. So you don't care if I'm being successful. Like, it's yeah, like, go, go. Yeah. You know? Um, but yeah, I just noticed that it just goes to the abundance mindset. I was telling this to someone, when you truly do believe in abundance mindset, you truly believe that there's no competition and you truly are a woman's woman then you would celebrate another woman's successful season. like Yeah, because you'd want that. Because you want that. It's like, hell yeah. And bring me to the top, too. I'm like, I'll take you with me. Sure. You know? And, like, one of the things that I pride myself on is that I want to hire other female assistants um, primarily. Now, sometimes that's not a fit, and I do have to hire a male assistant. But um, have to hire a male. I have to. I want to hire, I want to promote females, but I have some good, really, really good male assistants that like, they're it. worth I'm every penny. Yeah, yeah, no. It's funny when you said have to, I was like, I have oh, to. I I'm, I'm very intentional about my word choice too. So I do. I have to. Oh, I don't suspect that you're not <laughs> unintentional with the way that you say things, which is, brings me to my next question. Yeah. Uh, and you mentioned this kind of in passing. Did you believe that the term entrepreneur sort of gets watered down and 
I wanted you to kind of explain a little bit more detail what you mean by that when you said, you know, a person that has a nine to five, they still call themselves an entrepreneur. Help me understand are you where you think that word has kind of got gotten used inappropriately, the yeah. word entrepreneur. Yeah, I think I think like I don't know, maybe in the last like five, seven, eight years, like the word entrepreneurship has like blown up and it's like the cool thing to do. But I don't think half the people that use it really know what an entrepreneur really is. Because for me, my definition of an entrepreneur does not have a safety net. Like you are working your ass off to build up whatever company you're building up from this from the ground up. Uh, you may come from money and all that, that's fine. But you don't have like a safety net. Yeah, it is your it is, source of income. That is it, right? right? And it's a different way of being. It's a different way of moving. It's a different way of decision making. Um, if you work a nine to, f and I'm not knocking the people who have successful business, but if you're working a nine to five, you have a safety net you can fall on. Cause you know, if you didn't make goals for that, for your company, you still have income coming in every two weeks and you have benefits that you can rely on. And this even goes for, uh, people who are married. That's another safety net because your spouse can carry you if you don't make goals. And I don't knock those people but you're taking away all the hard work that I have put in. I have no fucking safety net. It is just me. And so you're taking that away from me by calling yourself an entrepreneur, which is, I think is a very prestigious title. So even like artists or creatives kind of get like, I don't say I'm a better artist than anyone. I am a great businesswoman and that's why I'm successful. That does not mean that my art is like this, like the best art out there. I make good art. I'm not denying that, but I'm also a good businesswoman to know how to monetize on my skill level because um, there are artists that I think are better than me but haven't learned how to monetize their art and their skill and they they haven't made it successful so I think like that's also like people are like well I'm an artist too and I'm like I'm not denying you're an artist you're an artist too but I am a professional artist who makes a living off of my art which is terrifying to me to think about but yeah. I do agree with your definition wholeheartedly I've had people uh, that I've interviewed for this show say that because I've started a podcast and it's gotten some traction or whatever, that that <clears throat> makes me an entrepreneur. And I'm like, eh, well, I mean, I make a really healthy living yeah. with my job that gives me the time Oil to do money. this. Yeah. Well, it's good till it's not. <laughs> right. Uh, but, but to your point, I, I do agree that if you're one foot in one foot out, you can't be good at two things like that at once. You're going to, you're going to devote the time to the thing that's going to, potentially be the sure thing if you're sort of like that so. i think you can be good at both things but do you deserve the title of entrepreneur i disagree i don't think you do and because it's a either. that is a it's a coveted title you're, well it's also like to your point it's become very chic yeah uh, and you know and it, it's anyone can sort of jump into that if they want but it, the the dedication's not there. I I agree. You shouldn't have that title. You, you don't get, get to. That title. Yeah. You don't get to have that title. It is what it is. But you know what? If you want to take it, whatever. I peep it though. I, peep it. <laughs> I see you. I see you. It's I see what good. you're doing over there. Yeah, uh -huh. So now you're just making, just killing it. Killing it. Killing it. <laughs> I'm not killing it. I'm getting there. I'm 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 figuring out different ways to create. Uh, different streams of revenue for my business outside of me physically having because I'm still in a way exchanging my time for money because I have to physically be there painting right so how do I make more money without having to exchange my time and so I'm in the process of creating downloadable templates for creatives like 
it's all the corporate side of it, right? Like what does an invoice template look like? A contract, a budget template, how do we budget out a mural? How do you price one out? That's always like the number one question. How do you price it out? Um, and so creating these templates that they can download, I'm in the process of creating a sales script. Uh, it's my expertise. I am a salesperson by nature. Uh, so what specifically does specifically tailored around for creatives, creative, like when yeah. you are dealing with a potential client who wants to buy a, a, a mural, <clears throat> how do you, what does that conversation because look a like? Because a true creative is like, I don't know. Let me just paint it for you. You can pay me what you want. <laughs> like yeah. They're like, I don't know how much it costs. Uh, yeah. Or if say the client push potential client pushes back and says, well, I only want to pay this much. It's like, how do you, how do you talk back to that? Like, how do you yeah. stand up for yourself and negotiate back? Cause it's sometimes there are going to be clients where you do have to negotiate with. Yeah. And if, and if you're just starting out the tendency, especially as a creative can be, I don't want to lose this work too. Right. So yes. And they're willing it. to, yeah. Subsidize their, you know, work, like, work for uh, subsidizes through exposure or maybe they are working a nine to five. So the nine to five covers the sure. leftover. And what I tell we're a community, our industry is unregulated, meaning that there's no industry standard on our price. You will get, if you were sourcing a muralist, you can get one that's emerging muralist who will charge you way under, you know, bid you. And then you can meet a middle mid level and then you can meet another artist who will charge you on the very high end. And you're like, $400 to 50,000. No, no lie. That is a huge price gap. For the same mural. For the same mural. Yeah, That's weird. That is, um, that is a big price and gap. so I tell other artists in order for us to close that gap for ourselves and to be a win for potential clients, A, we need to be open about our pricing to each other. Say what we charged to each other. It's a hard that's a hard Which uh, a lot of people don't want to share. To I'm very open to share that. I don't really care. And then two, um, it helps us elevate our pricing because the ones that are undercharging or doing it for free, then that client thinks that that's the standard, that's that the other rate. people will do that. And then they'll come across me and they'll be like, she's a bitch. Like, be like, cause I don't want, I'm not going to work for free. Um, and so yeah, it, we, it's, a, we all have to work as a community together as well. And in, in that aspect, but um, in terms of revenue stream, the, all these like downloadables that they can buy from me. And then um, that's like, you know, easy money. One time. Yeah, it's pretty passive. And Once then you get it built. passive. And then I'm putting together a course for creative entrepreneurs, like from A to Z of starting from idea concept starting and how do you get to be a thriving creative business. So putting together a course that they can take at their own pace and time. I think that's critical, especially for creatives. And you're not the first person <laughs> I've had on the podcast that is an artist of some kind uh, or works with artists. And hands down, every single one of them has said, people are great at their art, but they're terrible business people. Mm -hmm. And so if you can somehow provide tools or resources, uh, given your experience as a business person mm -hmm. and a creative, uh, maybe like an alpha creative. Yeah. I mean, I want to help other people. Like, we can all be successful. And I want to help other people to know that – there is another reality out there. The re if you're not happy in the reality that you're in, you can create a reality that you're happy in. It's possible. I've done it. And I'm like, all this stuff that I'm saying and or preaching or whatever sharing is because I've lived it and I've experienced it. It's not like theoretical or philosophical. I've actually experienced this. Yeah, it's it's been in practice, tested, and, yeah, and worked. And worked. So now that you're 
successful. Your your business is doing well. I'm not successful yet. I'm thriving. I'm not. I don't feel like I'm Fine. successful yet. Yes. I'll tell you that I I feel like you are, but that's just my yeah. outside looking in. So you're thriving. Uh, you're able to make rent and do the things that you. I bought want a house actually. That's outstanding. Thank you. Congratulations. Thank you. That's a big thing. It's a huge thing. That's yes, an I awesome bought it last thing. year. Uh, definitely had a whole crying moment. Yes. Uh, it's worth crying over. It was, I remember yeah. the first house I bought. It's when it sank in was when I was walking around. I was like, I own that tree. You know, like yeah, it was for, a weird yes. things like this. Yeah. My tree. I can cut that down if I want to. You know, I'm not I, gonna. But it's a weird feeling. It yeah. is a weird feeling. Uh, and now I've owned uh, several houses, and uh, it doesn't. Every single one I've bought has felt weird for different reasons. Yeah. Like I can't believe they're going to give me. Yeah, because you keep money. going up, right? right? It's not like you're buying the There's, same house at, at that same. Place, the last yeah. one we bought, I'm like, I can't believe they're going to give me that much money to buy this house. Yeah, that's yeah, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> suckers. Like, what are they? What are they? Have they met me? Uh, but you've you've achieved some station in life now, uh, from you know backpacking across Australia mm-hmm. to being homeless to now you know owning a home. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Uh, has that helped to sort of, you know, cause all of the factors that led to your, uh, being disowned still are there. Did, did that help mend some of those feelings with your family? And, oh yeah. So like after I left my, my parents and, you know, my mom always kept in touch with me. She had to like hide and sneak to see me. Um, and I, I never understood. I always thought my mom was weak. Uh, at that in that space and time I generally my I always revered my mom she's very hardworking, and just her story is also amazing um uh and I remember her telling me like when I moved out to the apartment she was like come home and visit and I'm like I will not come home until we actually address everything that has happened and transpired in this family because I refuse to continue this toxic way of being where we sweep everything under the rug and act happy and everything's all I cannot be fake anymore it just is not possible for me and my mom's like okay fine my dad's very like hot tempered hot natured he did agree my dad is like hot natured but inside he's a soft teddy bear Mm. and my dad has always shown up for me anytime I've needed him um and just in this moment in life I it was a slap in his face because he had specifically told me that I was supposed to be, you know, with a person within my culture and that if I was to bring home anyone outside that that was grounds for being disowned. He had told me that in college when I dated my first, my first boyfriend was not of the same culture. And only using the word race because we're all human race. Like that's weird. Um, so I had to have probably around five to six, maybe more conversations because we'd get somewhere where it was a touchy topic and my dad would get angry and walk off. And I'm like, we, I like, we just got started. started. Like how, and I told my dad, I said, look, you are free because one thing about my dad, his delivery sucks. He will not, he will not even take any critique about his delivery. His word choice sucks. There's also a language barrier because English is a second language. And, um, we, as females, my mom, my sister, and myself, we would be some more sensitive than the others. We get caught up in his delivery and his word choice. And in that moment, I realized I had to put that aside and listen to what he's the saying, intent, the messaging, right? the yeah. intent. And I told my dad, I said, I'm not going to say anything. I give you full space to speak freely and use whatever words you need to use and say however you need to say about how you felt with the decision that I made in choosing to be with this man and having this baby out of wedlock. You are free, this full space, nobody say anything. And go. And go. And he did. 
And yes, there were I, like there would be moments I would catch in my head, you're getting caught up in the wrong thing. Don't focus on that word choice. That's not how he meant it. You know that that's your dad. Like focus on it. And what I heard was he was very hurt. He felt disrespected. Um, he felt ashamed because of this choice that I made with and then how society was going to view it, his society, his friend circle. And I felt his pain and I apologized. And there was no excuse around. I said, I'm sorry. That's it. And because I gave him that space to do that, he was able to give me my space to say why I did what I did. And my dad was brought to tears and he apologized and he cried. He was like, I'm so sorry that he's like, I cannot believe I left you all alone in a car because we have a huge house and there's room for you and your son. And I'm sorry I treated you like that, you know? That's beautiful. And so me and my dad are very good. My family were very good. My dad and my son have a special relationship and I'm grateful for my dad to be able to sit there as a grown man and humble himself and have a, an open, vulnerable, transparent conversation and had to go against all the things that, you know, he's grown up like believing in. Um, and I'm grateful that I, that I kept pursuing that. We have to have a conversation. I cannot, we have to bring everything out and open. And I think that's all made us a lot closer together now. Now, fast forward, that was like, what, three, four years ago, my parents, my dad, I'm like, did you not listen to our whole point of talk? Because then he'll be like, I don't want to talk about it. I'm like, dad, we have to have these conversations. Like, you cannot, like, did you not learn anything from before? But, you know, it's just habit of his. But, um, yeah, we are good. And I'm glad that we were able to have those conversations and move forward. That's a beautiful story. And, and uh, it, it, it's just uh Remarkable. I didn't come prepared for crying, so I have Neither no tissues I. to give you. That's all good. Uh, and so that's uh, that's on me, apparently. And my dad also, you know, like once he started seeing the money coming, he's like doing the research. He's like, oh, my God, did you see this like painting went for this much money and this mural cost this much? I'm like, there is money out there, Dad. How exciting to for you yeah. to actually get to see your dad become a bit excited about, mm -hmm. uh, you know, something that he probably would not He wants not to hear about done. every project. He wants to see all the videos. Um, he or like each one and he's like always astounded he was like whoa you're on that scissor lift like 30 feet up high in the air you're doing it's like that's a lot of hard work you went up and down those ladders in the sky but, i'm like yeah dad but you're not a guy how are you doing that what do you <laughs> how are you able to be on a scissor oh lift? my god some of these guys don't even know how to work the scissor lift it's funny to watch them I and then i'm mistake. like oh, step back Let i me, made a I mistake one time uh the church we used to go to when we lived up in fort worth they they had this big christmas thing every year my wife would always decorate a table and when I say decorated table, it was outlandish, mm -hmm. right? She's extremely creative with decorating and everything. And she wanted to hang a Santa from a swing, wood, big wooden swing from the rafters. I said, okay. Mm -hmm. And so I got on the scissor lift, and then every other person in there, every other woman that was decorating tables was like, oh, well, you're up there. And yeah, so yeah, yeah. I ended up on a scissor lift about three and a half hours that night Woo! just driving around in yeah, there yeah. doing things it was a blast but there's, a it's time. like a sense of power right because you're like up high and well and i'm i can do this and you can yeah like it's, <laughs> yeah it was uh it was something else i'm so. part of the rodeo committee for the cook-off and we have to have a scissor lift because we have to you know decorate the tent up high and i like i swear everyone i don't fight i'm like i'm on a scissor lift i don't really care to get them it's like funny to watch people be like i want to get on a scissor lift. if you've never been on one and you're gonna yeah. think it's gonna flip over immediately but yeah. they're incredibly stable yeah they're very stable yeah I, especially if you get high enough you can put the outriggers out well the thing is like when you're on a cherry picker that's a different thing yes Different so equipment. those are yeah, and it's a little it is and when you're up high, like thirty six feet up high, you're it's a little <laughs> the wind, you're like oh. And you're also trying to paint. And you're trying to paint, yeah, it's like it's a whole thing. Yeah.
Yep. I bet you never make it all the way up there and be like, shit, I forgot my whatever. Oh, all the time. <laughs> yeah. It's like, that's the what my weak area is organization. And I'm like, I'm going to create a fucking list. I say this every time. And um, I always forget something. And it's like me making like the loser trip to at Home Depot. I'm like, fuck, I forgot the tape. Like, because I'm so far out on the site. It's like, I'm not going to drive all the way back to my, you know, place to go right. get. So I'm always making like last minute trips. I think that's a creative thing. I'm going to get better one day. I think it's a creative thing. My wife does that. She's so, in her mind, she sees the end product immediately before, and I don't. Mm -hmm. And so in a lot of ways, I'm trying to facilitate that. And I'm like, well, the laws of physics can't, that can't happen. And she's like, it'll happen. And it does. Uh, It usually happens. But she she's that way. She'll get in the middle of a project and be like, oh, I forgot, whatever. And it's just because she's so focused on, it's on not me. End. That's not my thing. It's just like it's moving too fast, and I have multiple things going on. Like I have this, you know, five year old. It's like today I had to tell him, I'm like, mommy's getting ready for work, and mommy can't hear her brain think and hear you talk at the same time. <laughs> and I need, and he knows now. It's like, it's like I need quiet. Okay, mommy, I'll let your brain talk. I'll be quiet. I said thank you, honey, and he'll be quiet. And What's his I'm name? like, his name is Zen. Well, his full name is Zenith, and the word is zenith. Um, I heard it in a podcast while I was running when I was pregnant. And so I put it on the table for everyone. I was like, what do y'all, we thought we were having a girl. I was like, Zenith. And they're like, ooh. And I'm like, no, it just sounds so strong. And the word Zenith means like the apex, the culmination. Um, And so I was like, I love that. It's a strong name. And then when we found out we're having a boy, they put it back. He was like, it was off the table. They vetoed it out. And then they were like, he was like, like what about Zenith? It's masculine, and then we call him Zen, like Zen, like peace and serenity. I was like, yeah, I mean, I it's chose the, the word. It's the same word. Yeah, uh, I'm just... down. So his name is Zenith. So he's peacefully rising to the top of every occasion. That's awesome. Speak it into existence. That we that can't happen. I, I do believe in that. Yeah, I do. Uh, being yeah. able to speak things into existence. For it's sure. funny. All my friends, they tell me they're like, "You are a powerful manifester," because everything that I said I was going to do, like I've had some friends who've seen me in that journey from the bottom, and they're like. Oh my God, I remember when you said you were going to make it as a full-time artist. You did it. I remember you said you were going to get a house. You did it. And I think it's like you meet so many people who do a lot of talking and they're still like, I have so many friends I left in the, like the, the restaurant industry who said they were going to do things. They're still there. Like the, a lot of people talk, but a lot of people don't put action to it. And, and like I, then I have these friends who are like, you said you were going to do that and you did it. I'm like, Psh, I wasn't just talking for the sake of talking. Like, yeah, and if they it, in your story, the whole story is just a story of that. I said I'm gonna yeah. do it. I'm gonna do it. Yeah, uh, and that's awesome. So, where can people find more information out about uh, your 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 so you public speaking as well? So, where can people find out about all of the things you have going yeah. on? Um, I would say the best source would probably be my website, and it's my name, so www.amymalkin.com. and then my name is across the board for all social medias for LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram. I am also an author. I did write a book on networking. Mm. Um, I just see so many faux pas in networking, even to this day. And it goes back to what we talked about earlier about being servant minded. So a lot of people think networking is about selling whatever they're selling. And it's not. It's about serving other people. And I went into networking and serving other people. Like, who can I connect you with? What do you need? Um and that's how I became a powerful networker and increased my sales because they didn't see me as someone selling them what I was selling or shoving my business card in their hand. They were like, she was trying to help me out. 
And just trying to create a genuine relationship and, yeah, with that person. Yeah. yeah. And I think great. that also aided me in my business because I made so many contacts in my various jobs of selling sure. that I already had a vast network of people that were like, oh, shit, she does. She's an artist. Like, oh, oh, yeah, I need a painting or oh, hey, I know someone who needs a mural. So it's right. Right. My business and, has grown. And if grown you know that person, then that's who I'm called to do that. Solely off of referrals and social media. I have not done any outside sales. Hmm. I do it once in a while. Like when I'm driving around, I see new construction and I'll go in and stop and say, hey, I do murals. If you're looking to get murals done or if I see a building that's like screaming, it's crazy. I have a potential client right now and I saw their building, their restaurant, and it just screamed murals. So I went in there. It was like a year ago and I was like, hey, are you interested in getting murals? I'm like, ah. And then they hit me up. They didn't, they don't know that I did this, but he was a previous client at another restaurant. He was like, Hey, you did a mural for me at this restaurant. We have this restaurant come out and see him. When I drove up to do the site visit, it's like, Oh, I actually pitched <laughs> y'all. Yeah. Uh, they're like, really? And I was like, they're like, yo, it's probably too early on, blah, blah. But yeah, my business has grown solely off of referrals and social media. And so it's, uh, Amy Malkin. Sorry. Com. Yes. Then your all your all social media is still Amy Malkin. Yeah, Amy Malkin. Keep it simple, and that's it. Yeah. If it's available, why not? That's yeah, the, that's the best way to do it. What's well, it's the name, and then I think when you like do other stuff on it, it just gets confusing. So I wanted to keep it branding consistently across the board. Well, it's been a great deal to me to to get to hear your story and have you on thank the show, you. and and really appreciate you taking time and. Yeah, thank you for Don't appreciate me. you showing up me on the coat game, <laughs> and that's okay. I should have known better. Sorry. I was trying to figure out what to wear that was good for a podcast, but then be able to be uh, ready to go to get paint on. So I was like, I have my paint clothes on, and then I was like, let me just slap on a blazer, and then we're good to go. It works, and I'll be honest with you, I think the shoes are pretty cool, <laughs> honestly, because it, it's the paint stuff on them. They're yeah. definitely one of a kind. It's funny how many people try to buy this off of me, and I'm like, these are my paint clothes you want to buy my paint clothes They're like yeah it looks so cool i'm like then go buy some cheapo ross pants slap some paint and you got some paint clothes that's right so easy well thank you so much for being a part of this your story is you. amazing and uh, i can't wait to just keep up with the stuff you're doing because the the artwork is is incredible thank you i, I really enjoy looking at it and and uh, so so keep doing your thing and, <laughs> thank uh, you. I, appreciate and I appreciate it. everything you, you're thank doing you and, me share my story i hope oh. it helps a few people if it helps one person, if if it may Job change done. the world for somebody else, yeah. so yeah. it's it's outstanding. So thank you so much, and uh, if there's ever anything I can do for you, please let me know. We'll do. Take you up on the offer. All right, and that's <laughs> it. Peace.